Good afternoon, everyone. This is Mark Tallman with KASB for our uh, regular weekly live update. I'm Scott Rothschild, who will be helping me analyze some of the news we have to tell you. Rob Gilligan is here to weigh in if need be while engineering our program. And Leah is our stalwart down at the State House to make sure no news breaks out that she has to, to interrupt us with. Uh, as I'm sure everyone probably knows, uh, this is the second day of the veto session. Only the second? Only the second. It seems a lot longer of a very long week. Uh, with a real hard deadline looming a week from today, May 4th, is the sine die date which has been set. And frankly, there is debate over whether the legislature could change that if they wanted to and, and thought they needed to. So we're still waiting to find out what the schedule is going to look like. The one thing we do know, unless there are last-minute changes, is that the House will be debating their budget bill today. The rumor is that they will be debating school finance tomorrow in the House. We're going to talk about that first. Um, the Senate is expected to take up their part of their budget. They've already adopted their main budget bill uh, next week as, as we count down. So, uh, Scott, uh, as uh, before we kind of go into some of the in, uh, kind of our analysis of the, of the school finance issues, which made news yesterday, any, anything on your mind in particular? Well, I think everyone, uh, the most important issue was whether we're going to work this weekend. <laughs> and uh, it looks like uh, from some of the tweets we're seeing, it looks like the House may take up its education bill um, tomorrow. Right. So those of you that are following the news will yeah. let you know as soon as we knew. But if you want to spend a beautiful spring afternoon, <laughs> not at the Capitol, but following us wherever right. you can, we'll, we'll keep you posted on what's happening. Well, if you go to our uh, regular outline and other uh, links that we have, I think we're going to just start by talking about the uh, school finance, the $80 million fix situation, which mm -hmm. is getting increasingly complicated. And we sent out a story. We actually have in the link a link to last week's story, I think think that describes right. how this how did this come about and, and what are we talking about well yesterday six bills uh, with about four different approaches to the problem were introduced we've really given you the text of this here in the outline but of course you can reach it in other ways and I think what I'll do Scott is just kind of give a, a quick overview sure. of the number and what they do you you weigh in if need be and of course as always we welcome your your questions uh, by email text or Twitter to Rob uh, Scott or myself if you can so the uh, the, the first bill um, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, House Bill 2797 was introduced by the author of the provision that kind of started all this, Representative Clay Aron, chair of the House Education Committee, a member of the K-12 Budget Committee, and a member of a local school board. And I spoke actually to Representative Aron this morning, who made it clear to me that he believes his fix is the only fix as opposed to a change. And yeah. I guess there's a, there, there's a from, from his perspective, um, uh, I knew what I wanted to do. Uh, the, we, we knew what we wanted to accomplish. It wasn't drafted right. We need to fix the drafting problem. So what, what this bill essentially does is it would continue the idea of requiring a 15% local option budget that is then used to finance a higher base day date amount. It would create a base budget of $4,900. But the difference between that and 4,100 and, if I'm looking correctly, uh, 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 65 uh, is, is taking 15% of every district's LOB or the first 15% mm -hmm. and using that to finance. The changes in this bill would be to simply make 
the, adjust the formula, make the math work so that districts don't lose the $80 million in state aid and also restore the grandfathering of some local option budget authority. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, this is the, the simplest approach on one hand, but it is fixing a, a change in state law that many people believe mm-hmm. is very complicated. The next provision we're going to talk about, which is really done by House Bill 2796, is to require every district to have a 15% local option budget and then to have a little little language in the law that says, okay, this 15% is required, so it should be, deter- should be included in calculating how much money the state is, prov- is, is putting toward a uh, suitable, adequate education. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to say, actually, all LOB maybe should be considered. But, you know, the idea here is to say, all right, this idea of saying if we include some LOB, uh, in addition to the base, it, it kind of makes it look like the state is, is contributing uh, more money. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that this bill does, as I read it late last night, uh, is it, um, it, it then does not do the higher base thing. I want to be clear on that. And it restores a provision in the law before the block grants and all of that that had been around for a long time, and that lets every year the state board would calculate a statewide average LOB, mm-hmm. and districts would be able to go up to that amount without having to have an election or protest or anything. Currently, the threshold under Senate Bill 19 is you can, by board action alone, go to a 30% OOB. You're subject to protest petition over that. This would go back to an old system of using kind of a, a rising uh, average. Um, and, then, uh, and then the final thing that it does is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, then the other issue is in Senate Bill, is Senate Bill 462, another bill introduced last year, is very similar in concept to 2796, but it does not have the language saying, it, it requires the 15% LOB, but it doesn't have the language saying this is going to be part of what we do. So consider that, you know, option two is really, well, we're still going to require an LOB, but we're not going to work it through the base, and we're going you know, to make sure we've restored all of the previous LOB authority and everything like that. The third approach um, is, is basically to simply, well, to repeal the whole mandatory 15% requirement, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of does one other thing. It would also repeal a provision in law uh, in, in, the, in the new bill passed, Senate Bill 423, that requires districts to transfer a proportional share of local option budget uh, to their uh, special ed and bilingual funds. In other words, uh, whatever, sh- whatever portion of your general fund comes from those two weightings, you have to, in effect, take that amount of LOB, that proportional amount of LOB, and put it toward uh, those student groups, essentially, is, is the argument uh, behind it. Um, and then it also goes back to the that old system of, of setting the uh, an LO, the average statewide LOB is what you could go up to by board action alone. Uh, and then the final uh, approach uh, is to repeal the LOB authority, but then also do a couple of other policy changes. So this gets increasingly complicated, and in this case, more expensive. This is how, uh, House Bill twenty seven ninety nine, 
and it repeals the, the mandatory requirement, it restores the, the old system, but then it adds $135 million for additional base state aid, which push, pushes the base up to 4360 next year, and then it then would continue to phase in additional base increases. So at the end of five years, the base would be at 5140 And then it also appropriates kind of a scaling up amount of special education state aid. Bill doesn't specifically say it would get to the 92%, but it would be a, a pretty substantial amount of increase. I think it's another uh, 10% next year, 20 mil- $10 million next year, $20 million in 2020, $30 million in 2021, and $40 million in each of 22 and 23, and also provides a little bit of additional funding for a new early childhood intervention program and parents as teachers. Um, And then it does one other thing in this Mm -hmm. mix, and that is it would completely repeal the state bond cap. Mm -hmm. You may remember that last year Senate Bill 19, somewhat to, I think, the surprise of many legislators, adopted a new and and rather rather confining uh, statewide cap on local option budgets. The House school finance bill um, uh, that was passed by the House repealed that completely. Uh, Senate Bill 423, the bill that ultimately passed, instead um, modified that cap somewhat by saying that no district, sing, no single bond issue would count for more than $175 million and providing an inflationary index to the cap every year, um, this bill would actually repeal that. So it does raise some some issues. I, I think from uh, well, let's let's talk kind of about KSB's position. I think I think Rob put together a slide just to kind of summarize uh, what we were looking at. If you want to be here, and I guess you know number one is probably the most important. Uh, we think the legislature needs to address this problem uh, to make sure that districts do not lose uh, the eighty million dollars, and we want to make sure that they do not lose uh, inadvertently previous local option budget authority, which was the case. I think our position is we we have we we have never been a fan of this idea of of, of bringing in the LOB mm-hmm. uh, may not make a huge difference uh, but I think our analysis is we we acknowledge mm-hmm. that a, a portion of LOB certainly is going to base costs so is it a big deal well we don't really know but we do would would caution the legislature that if you're going to claim that estate money then you kind of open up the issue of equity because the Supreme Court has said that the 82.1 level of equalization is fine for the LOB, but that's still not full equalization. And so there's still a a fairly hefty range in uh, mill levies required. So I think our, our point the legislature is you really need to weigh whether the possible benefits you might get uh, might not be uh, overshadowed uh, by some additional risk. Um, Now, bottom line is we supported and encouraged legislators to vote yes on Senate Bill 423. We are supportive of that, but we simply believe that if, if more money could be put in to the to the base or to the school finance system in some fashion. Well, we'd certainly support that because we think that would help us more quickly improve student success, which is the primary concern of the Supreme Court. And we have a long-standing, longer than I've worked for KSB, a belief that special education should be fully funded by whatever the target is in state law. We would also support 
uh, if possible, uh, the, the concept of, of allowing districts to go to the LOB average that had been used before, we think was fairly successful. It was accepted uh, by the court for a long period of time. And again, whether it is put in this fix or not, we continue to believe that the statewide bond cap should be fully repealed if possible, or at least, you know, ease to, to the largest extent possible. No question the legislature made some progress in this way, but I think many districts are still concerned that that's going to be a problem in the future. So, Scott, I've talked a lot. Anything, <laughs> any comments you want to throw in on any of this? Well, I mean, I think it should come as no surprise that, you know, Senate Bill 423 passed with the minimum votes, 63-21, and the governor's signature, and then even as the governor's signing it, he's saying fix it. So I think it should come as no surprise that, you know, a lot of these issues are going to be redebated again. Yeah. I think, I think what we're simply going to have to see is, uh, again, we're, we're hearing rumors, nothing official, that there may be discussion of the school finance bill. We don't know what that means, and I think on our, on our list here we do indicate there are several options. One is to go to committee. That doesn't sound likely. No committee's been called. The second would be to try to do this by referring a bill to the House floor, to the Committee of the Whole, which could then be amended. But that would allow, frankly, the House as a whole to uh, set a position deciding up and uh, up or down. The, the third option is simply to try to do this in conference committee. Um, but technically, a position is supposed to have passed at least one House before being decided in conference. So, we're, again, we're kind of waiting to see what will happen. Presumably, someone in a quasi-position of authority, maybe Chairman Patton, will will have the 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 preferred amendment yes. uh, put forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if this is done on the floor in general orders, then mm-hmm. any of these approaches, and frankly, any other issues, sure. uh, are are possible uh, items uh, uh, that that could be considered. So that's why tomorrow could be could be a long day, might not be. Well. Let's uh, let's switch our attention to the uh, uh, budget, uh, and although we expect this afternoon to be the budget bill, I think where we kind of wrapped up more quickly was the Senate. I have that listed uh, after, but Scott, why don't you let me take a breath and talk a little bit um, about what the Senate uh, budget recommendations are. Uh, they put their uh, amendments into a House bill to mm-hmm. make it easier to get to conference. Well, the, the Senate Ways and Means Committee uh, added uh, some uh, uh, items to their budget. Uh, of course, everyone probably understands that there was a new revenue estimate and there's uh, $534 million more in revenue than was previously expected. So Ways and Means added uh, $82 million for a CAPERS payment uh, uh, similar, uh, the governor had requested the, a similar amount, but uh, the Senate does it in a different way. Uh, there is also a uh, more money than expected in the Children's Initiative Fund, uh, which is money that is received through the big tobacco settlement from years ago. And so the Senate added some more money for the Kansas Pre-K program out of that uh, investment fund. Uh, the Senate added uh, a little uh, more money into uh, parents as teachers and directing those funds for high-risk families. Uh, the Senate also, uh, the Ways and Means Committee, also added $520,000 for a pilot program for Teach for America to develop uh, in Kansas a program to produce more teachers, uh, address the teacher shortage, that kind of thing. 
I don't believe it's a recurring expense, but I guess it could be. Of course, right, and, and that, that's a good point, is that an appropriation bill is al almost always just for one or two years, and we're in the right. second cycle. So while sometimes appropriation bills do make appropriations for future years, that's that's kind of unusual, and so most of the mm -hmm. time it's just for one or two years, and the legislature, of course, could come back and do it again. Um, but there were some questions in committee about this amendment. Uh, you know, some senators were saying, well, how, did, how is this going to work with our universities who are working with teachers? So there may be more debate about that on the Senate floor. Teach for America has been, as many of you know, somewhat controversial. I think it was really developed as kind of a way to get idealistic, energetic, enthusiastic young people to go spend some time teaching, but not necessarily as part of a career. Um, on, and that has been, mm -hmm. I think, some of the criticism of it has been, well, you bring in people, but they're not really committed to the profession, and right. so you have constant turnover. Um, but and, and it, it is uh, probably much more widespread in other states. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kansas has not been a big Teach for America state, so we'll just have to see whether the money stays in uh, and how that goes forward and, and what district might participate, but if you're interested as a district, be aware these are dollars that might be out there. They also added uh, $300,000 to try to draw down some federal uh, E-rate uh, funds for schools to acquire internet bandwidth. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of uh, support on the committee for that kind of proposal. And uh, the committee ended up restoring about 75% of the remainder of the reduction that had been made to higher ed, and I think this figures out to about $18 million. Now, whether that survives the Senate floor, uh, I should probably note, when I was in the committee watching them uh, uh, approve all these amendments, Senator, Senate President Wagle, who sits on the committee, was saying, Wait a second, you know, she kept holding up her hand. Uh, we, we don't need to be spending so much money, so there, there certainly will be a debate about some of these things. Well, I had uh, set out, and I, I thought I had a, a, a beautiful article written that I was going to share <laughs> right. talking about how the new revenue that we received was, was good news. We could fund the school finance bill. We could mm -hmm. fund kind of basic state obligations, but very narrowly, and in fact, by 2022, we would be essentially out of money. In other words, as we phased in the law and restored CAPERS payments, uh, even with the new money. Uh, so my, my, my caution was going to be, it's going to be very hard to add any money. And then the next day, both committees simply went in and added a great deal of money without yet even having a discussion of the tax cut right. provision uh, that the Senate has already passed and, and House leaders are already starting to negotiate. So, um, you know, I was I was trying to be understanding and frugal, and I, and I guess there's no point. We have the money now, so let's do some things. And so let's talk about what the House did. Sure. Um, and and it, it, again, some of the same things or some approaches. It's a little more complicated. I'm going to tick down my list again. You do have these in your uh, in your outline. Uh, the House uh, added three hundred thousand uh, dollars to fund a juvenile transition crisis center pilot program mm -hmm. in the Beloit Special Ed Co-op. This is a program that had been presented to several committees of the legislature. Obviously, there was a lot of interest in and support for. Um, they have added $5.3 million to fund what they had proposed to do in a freestanding bill, House Bill 2773, the Safe and Secure School Act. You might remember that about mid-session we were gearing up for debates over firearm safety and the Eddie the Eagle program and all of that, and then mm -hmm. the, the Florida shooting happened. The legislature, legislative leaders came back several weeks after that with a more comprehensive plan. 
passed the House overwhelmingly. The Senate never had a hearing on it. And so I guess the key parts of this is it would provide some additional staffing in the State Department of Education uh, to sort of work with districts on school safety projects. It would provide $5 million that could be matched with local funds for school safety improvements. So uh, lockdowns, metal detectors. I mean, uh, there's a lot of skepticism about how far $5 million would sure. go, but, but it, it, would put, it would be a start is the argument. But then this proviso, and for those of you kind of new to the appropriations world, much of the appropriation is just literally little line items that say things like general state aid, X millions of dollars, but often there is what's called a proviso underneath it that says provided that, which puts conditions on the use of those dollars. Mm -hmm. And in this case, the proviso basically says, well, here's what this is for. Oh, and by the way, State Department, you're supposed to go ahead and develop standards for school safety. You're supposed to develop standards for local plans, local safety plans, local school districts. You have to adopt a plan that is consistent with state guidelines. Oh, and if you want to have a firearm safety plan, you can, but it needs to meet certain state standards, although it, it is not as restrictive of some of our early concerns. So I'm not trying to be you sure. know, d- dismissive. KSB supported uh, this bill, so we're supportive of these concepts, but just it's approaching it through an appropriations bill proviso for one year as opposed to uh, mm-hmm. an ongoing statute. Now, Typically, if these programs are successful, they may come back and then pass a permanent bill uh, in the future. Okay, so that was done. They also added money, just as the Senate did, and frankly, the governor recommended, for what are called the education consensus adjustments. Every year in the fall and uh, spring, just as they do the big uh, consensus revenue estimates, um, uh, Dale Dennis and and his folks, legislative staff, governor staff, uh, get together and they decide, well, how much are we actually going to need to fund based on, how many kids do we actually have that we're going to count? What's the change? In, how much is special ed going to cost? What, what's LOB state aid going to be? So all these calculations, that means every year there has to be kind of a, a truing up of the school finance bill. And that's what this is. This is not additional uh, sort of new spending authority. Mm-hmm. Instead, what they basically found is for next year, the, the law is going to cost a little more than we thought. Uh, primarily, what the money that was added here are, are dollars for the main formula. They have not specifically addressed the issue of new CAPERS costs, although mm-hmm. uh, they did something similar to what you talked about on the main program. Mm-hmm. Another pretty significant thing that the House did is, uh, as, as some may remember, for um, really since the big tax cuts, right. to help fund the K-12 budget, over $100 million uh, from the state highway, the state highway fund every year, has been used to pay for school district transportation costs. Mm-hmm. Transportation waiting, special education, transportation aid, and career technical. Um, the legislature has grown increasingly frustrated with all the money that is coming out of the highway fund. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of talk about trying to sort of wean the school finance system away from this. But, of course, to replace that, you have to come up with $100 million. So the House has taken uh, kind of a, a, a half step toward doing that. They've added about $62 million from the state general fund mm-hmm. to go back into paying these transportation costs. What that does is free up about $40, $50 million in money that has been coming from the highway fund 
that can now stay in the highway fund for highway projects. But once again, that's a pretty significant cost. That's $50 million that could be used to fully fund special ed or go toward that. In this case, it's being done to, uh, frankly, restore funding uh, to, mm-hmm. the, to the state highway plan. There was also language added to require districts to post the school finance reports that are mandated. Last year, you might remember in the bill, there were some additional um, items in your budget mandated, more budget mandated. And no surprise, this is a proviso that says more of this information will have to be prominently posted on your website. So again, the the growing list of things that you have to put on your website in a prominent place uh, continues to increase, and, and that's one of them. And then, uh, as Scott indicated, the governor had proposed that an additional payment of $82 million be made to CAPERS. The House went farther uh, and actually came up with a further $112 million uh, for a total of $194. $194 million was the full amount of a deferred CAPERS payment that, that they were basically just kind of going to skip because of a budget uh, issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, uh, the idea here is, I, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing, okay, we have more money than we thought. So we should use some of that money to kind of pay down our long-term CAPERS debt. And then the final thing that was added um, is what, uh, I guess we're we're kind of giving it different names, the the Doomsday Proviso, the Tripwire Proviso. Scott, I'll I'll tell you how I understand it, and then you can kind of either react or or see if there's something different you want to explain. And this is only in the House committee report at this time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will be debated this afternoon. What it basically says is that if the Supreme Court um, says that the action by the legislature in Senate Bill 423, the school finance bill, does does not meet the level uh, for reasonably calculated to achieve uh, uh, education goals, uh, in other words, if it's not adequate, then what happens is most of the new money in this bill is lapsed or void. Mm-hmm. Now, What that means, essentially, and this was very controversial, is that anything that is added in this budget this year that does not go to K-12 education, that does not go to human service caseloads or debt service or corrections would be canceled. Mm -hmm. So you, for example, said this. Now the, the Senate put in uh, about seventy-five percent of the uh, higher ed cut. Right. The House has put in about half that, about twelve million dollars. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what this is saying is, it, we're going we're going to put in twelve million dollars for higher education or whatever it is. But if the Supreme Court says you you didn't get to adequacy yet, mm-hmm. presumably you're going to have to add more money. Then. We're, we're going we're gonna to pull back that $12 million. We're going to pull back all this CAPERS money. We're going to pull back all these little additions that we've made to any other agencies, and, and that will create a pool of money that could be then used to fund, uh, presumably, to, to add more money to, to, to respond again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's what it does. Scott, is that your understanding? Do you have well, questions? Or, and, and what's the reaction been? Well, I think, uh, I, I think some of the reaction, at least from opponents of this, is that uh, this kind of amendment pits schools against other agencies, which, you know, obviously we think is unfair. 
and uh, it also uh, it, it was approved. Uh, I think it was pretty vigorous debate in the committee, approved on a very close vote. It was a non-record vote, but uh, and also well, it was it was an, for the record, it was an eleven to eleven tie, right. and the chair voted yes. These votes in committees, though, are not recorded unless you ask to be recorded. But as near as we could tell, basically, it was Republicans voting for it, but, but not all of them. And mm-hmm. then Chairman Waymaster uh, cast the deciding vote to put this in. So uh, it is, uh, I understand, it is causing a buzz in the State House, and the House is getting ready to take up this uh, budget bill. So I'm sure this will be debated uh, probably today. I, I would expect. Uh, and... Um, now, and also, and I think Minority Leader Jim Ward said, this is kind of cruel to add this money in and then kind of dangle it in front of agencies. The author of this amendment, uh, uh, Representative Landwehr, said, no, she's just trying to prepare agencies for if this eventuality occurs, you might want to not be spending your money. So, yeah. the, uh, and, and, and part of the, the opposition were people saying, well, why did we do all this work right. if we're just going to have to come back and do it again? Now, Representative Landwehr's argument, and, and, and this was echoed by several other members of the committee, is to say, look, it is extremely hard to cut budgets. This just sort of says if the court does something, they're cut and we start over. Now, I will, I will tell our viewers from my view, if that were to happen and the legislature has to come back, there is... There's certainly nothing that says the budget committee. I mean, if the legislature has to put more money into education or believe it, court, mm-hmm. whatever the point is, if they're going to reopen the budget, that same budget could add all of this back mm-hmm. if they can find another revenue source, which, let's face it, means tax increases. So this is really predicated on the idea that they may have to spend more on uh, on education. They're, they're acknowledging that the court might not accept that. They're basically saying if we can't raise taxes, then we're going to have to do it through cuts elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, 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 the point I would make, we would make, is there remains, that still remains a choice of the legislature sure. to decide you could put more money into education um, and uh, fund other programs mm-hmm. uh, by looking at either general or targeted revenue increases. We have, for example, supported the ta- tobacco tax increase that mm-hmm. is supported by a wide uh, coalition of groups uh, on public health grounds, for example. There, there are other things that have been considered. And I guess my view is if the legislature does have to come back, whether this is in there or not, let's be clear, all of these things will then have to be debated. So uh, maybe if they pass tax cuts, those might have to be. And that and that and that really leads us, Scott, great, great segue into the one final thing we may talk about. And that is what has also not been decided. And we don't know how it fits into this is this issue of the big issue is the so-called return the windfall. Mm -hmm. And as we've discussed, what that means is the federal tax change, which raises the federal, you know, what it, I'm not a tax expert. What it basically means is a lot of people will no longer be able to itemize mm-hmm. at the federal level. Now you're getting a many are getting a tax cut at the federal sure. level uh, in exchange for that. Uh, but Kansas, under current law, if you don't itemize at the federal level, you can't itemize at the state level. Mm-hmm. And so the the Senate has already passed a bill designed to say. Uh, we want to let people continue to do that. The bill that they passed, I think one thing House members have pointed out, there's still no real consensus of how much revenue that would actually lose. And so once again, there's been a lot of discussion over, are we going down the tax 
cut road again of kind of mm-hmm. saying, well, we want to do this, but we don't really know what it's going to cost, and we, we hope it all works out. So I think it's fair to say, and those of you that want to listen in to the, uh, to the, the House debate today, uh, is going to be a very classic example. Revenues came in good. There's more money than we thought. <clears throat> but that battle over what do we want to give schools, what we might have to get schools, what we want to spend on other programs, what we want to do to cut taxes, what we want to put toward capers, which is, you know, again, what, what you spend on capers now doesn't, doesn't help anybody right now, mm-hmm. but has been pointed out, the longer you let that, um, that unfunded liability out there, the more expensive it gets. Kind of like you can skip a credit card payment now, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to make that. that. But yeah, well, no, we don't recommend. We shouldn't say you can. Uh, maybe you theoretically can. We don't recommend it. But that's essentially how we've we've treated capers. Uh, sure. When when the budget is run short, the legislature has simply not put as much in as that year's payment would say, and they can do that because capers has plenty of money to operate for a long time. But it just means it further accumulates that long-term debt. Mm -hmm. So those are the choices that the legislature is going to be facing. The House this very afternoon will keep you posted. The Senate has passed their, hate to slip into this jargon, they've passed their main budget bill already. They have Mm -hmm. a position. Their bill is much smaller, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of tweaking things after the new revenue numbers uh, came in. Uh, Our best intelligence is that that debate will likely be Monday, which means that the conference committee on the budget would would start perhaps early next week. And, and of course, we, we don't really know anything other than a possible debate on the House tomorrow on school finance how that will be presented to the Senate uh, for discussion. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No, we have, uh, I guess we have one week uh, left. Uh, we, we have exactly one week. Yeah. The sine die adjournment was, uh, was for the 4th, and, and again, uh, it, it would uh, extending that, I guess, I'm told, would be unprecedented in state history. <laughs> um, but We've you know, seen some but there's been a lot things. of unprecedented things going on. And you, oh, and Scott, you want to remind me what happened with the... Uh, uh, Supreme Court's deadlines. Oh, again. Uh, the Supreme Court, uh, the the deadline had been April 30th to file for the state to file legal briefs uh, on the way the legislature addressed the uh, Gannon decision. Well, of course, there's an error in the bill, and uh, you know, uh, Attorney General Derek Schmidt was asking for a, a, a little modification in the schedule. Uh, the plaintiffs I, basically agreed, and so the Supreme Court has given them both sides until May 7th to submit their legal briefs. I don't believe it changes the uh, schedule for oral arguments or so. when the court has yeah. said it. W- but, of course, they could change it, yeah. but uh, they haven't changed that yet. And I, I did not read in detail uh, what the plaintiff said, but I read news accounts which <laughs> suggested that the plaintiffs have already said they don't think the 15% uh, no, uh, idea is a good. They're kind of already previewing that. Whether that will have any effect on the legislature, yeah. we don't know, but... Uh, yeah, that's they certainly said the something. equity put, provi- yeah. that ec- that provision is unconstitutional, yeah. and uh, they wanted the uh, minutes from all the committee meetings. I think is what they said. Uh, okay, and then uh, I'll just note: I, I, we're not going to bring in Rob right now, but he had the opportunity to set in on an exciting meeting of the Legislative Post Audit Committee. They're getting the details hammered out for the next big study. 
and that is going to be on special education. So if you thought the transportation study was exciting <laughs> when it came out with its findings and errors and changes we need to make, uh, uh, let's just remember special education is uh, significantly more money uh, and, uh, and, and could be uh, even more controversial. That will be delivered to next year's legislature. We'll, of course, be following that. And uh, we also have a, a new post-auditor, uh, and our hope is that we will have Justin Stowe, who uh, has has worked there before. We know Justin well, and we will try to have him on one of these updates to uh, talk about what what he's doing and, and what that what that audit is. So look for that information. Okay, well, I will assume that there's a good chance we'll be coming to you with a Facebook Live, or someone will. We may not all stay around all night uh, after uh, uh, today's, uh, after the budget debate. Uh, we will have uh, coverage tomorrow with whatever we have. Look for us that way. And then I guess our assumption is that we will be back to you either next Friday, or if the legislature would end early, Mm -hmm. um, we'll have a a full KSB Live update at that time. So thank you, gentlemen, for helping me out. Leah, thank you for covering things downtown. We'll be joining you soon. And everyone, have a great weekend. It looks like a beautiful spring weekend for the first time in a while. Some of us will be indoors in that very building you see behind us. (laughs) Thank you. 